Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Neighborhood Podcast. I am one half of the, the podcast, Kevin Valentin. And I'm the other half of the podcast. I go by the name of Kyle Dabro. Kevin, what's going on, man? What is good, my guy? It is quite late on this Thursday evening, but we are out here doing what we need to do and providing the best content available. Kyle and I have a a little bit smaller of an agenda than of recent. You know, there's not really much going on in the world. You know, the NBA is doing what it needs to do and preparing for the playoffs. The NFL just released its schedule for 2021. Um, and, you know, Kyle and I just have a kind of a, a list of things we want to talk about. So first and foremost, we're going to talk about uh, the NFL schedule, uh, some of the games that we find m- relatively most attractive and appealing for week one. We're going to kind of skip through the preseason. Uh, we have some other NFL news. We had a, a report come out of Tom Brady, Tom Brady's dad, talking about his matchup of facing the Patriots for the first time since he's left New England um, and like our thoughts on that. Uh, well, like I said, we'll get into our favorite matchup so far of week one uh, for the NFL season. We'll talk a little bit about Tebow potentially signing with the Jaguars. Again, it's not an official contract. It's projection that he will sign a contract with the Jaguars for one year as a tight end. Um, very odd situation on that front. So Kyle and I will kind of give our, our relative opinion on what we think that's about. Uh, obviously, with the NBA playoffs legitimately starting next week, uh, the NBA is pretty much closing out and they uh, are just wrapping up seating. A lot of teams are closer in retrospect than we would have imagined. So it will be a very, very, very interesting closeout to the season as Kyle and I just talked about with the, uh, the play in tournament as well. So we are very curious to see how that all kind of ends up and wraps up towards the end of the season. And then Kyle and I are going to do a little bit something different, something to kind of grasp a different audience's attention. Kyle and I are going to talk about our favorite sports moment growing up pretty much like our favorite moment in our, our entire lives that we've witnessed or watched on TV uh, that we find, you know, pretty much most prevalent in our lives. So, I mean, Kyle, first and foremost, thank God, some football news, some football content. It, 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 it's our passion. I, dude, I got to ask, man, how hyped do you that this schedule came out, bro? I was ready for it, dude. And I'll say this, the NFL did not let us down with this, these week one matchups in no way, shape, or form. No shot, bro. First game off rip. You got the Cowboys going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers coming off a, a Super Bowl victory against the Chiefs last year, and then they're going up against one of the – probably one of the most 
weird teams in the NFL simply just because the Cowboys, they always have a lot of hype around them, but they never really ever, they never live up to expectations. But it will be Dak's first game back after sustaining that gruesome uh, leg injury against the Giants last season. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how Dak responds to a significant injury like that. I do think the Bucks are going to win, but we'll see what happens when we get closer to that date. Just some other games to kind of focus or to note here in a circle. <laughs> Look, th- these are these are one o'clock games, but we got some good games here. We got the Seahawks going up against the Colts. I know you are probably just eager to watch that game, especially since it's the first game of the year. And then to round up the one o'clock games, you got the Steelers going up against the Bills. The Steelers, up until like the last two three weeks of the season, they were the number one team in the AFC, and then they just completely forgot how to play football the last like three weeks of the season and got bounced out of the playoffs pretty early last year. But the bills are definitely that up and coming team in the AFC right now. They're the best team in the AFC East. And it'll be interesting to see if the bills can sustain their success that they had last year by making it all the way to the AFC championship game and see if they can, if see if they can replicate the similar amount of success that they had last season. And then moving on to the the four o'clock games, and just looking at what we got here, we got some great games. We got the Browns versus the Chiefs. That's going to be rematch. a great rematch from the AFC divisional round matchup that they had last season. You got the Patriots going up against the Dolphins. Look, both of those teams. What a head to head right there, bro. Both of those teams are going to be running and gunning for the top of the AFC East this year. The Patriots have completely retooled their team. To build around Cam Newton, the defense is looking strong. They had a great free agency. Uh, they had a great free agency this offseason, and then they backed it up with some decent draft picks as well. So that'll definitely be a good matchup, just a good matchup between Bill Belichick and one of his former Jeez. coaches in Brian Flores. So that'll definitely be a good game to watch. And then, and then one of the last games that I got here is the Packers versus the Saints. And it'll be very interesting to see who's going to be starting at the quarterback position for this game. I'm pretty sure when you look at the Saints, it's going to be Jameis Winston. But with the Packers and really the drama that's surrounding Aaron Rodgers, I I know Kevin and I will get into that a little bit later. But it's going to be a very interesting matchup to see who's going to be the go-to guy for the quarterback spot with the Packers. And just looking at the rest of the rest of these games, I mean, for week one, going into the 2021 season, this is a hell of a start. This is a good slate. This is a good slate. And, and, yeah. and let's not forget, I mean, we got Sam Darnold facing the Jets week one after being traded. Like, he's literally going to go up against his replacement in Zach Wilson instantly. Bro, we're talking like. Sam Darnold gets traded. They draft Zach Wilson, and then boom, it's immediate. It's an immediate matchup. I think that's incredible. I think obviously, you know, we all know Sam Darnold got a pretty much the shorthand of the stick, being drafted by Adam Gase and the career that he ended up having, and then you know getting traded to Carolina, uh, relatively early in the offseason, if not like kind of like within the offseason perspective. It's just. I don't know. I think, I think that's a game for me that I want to watch. I want to see how Sam produces with Matt Rule and the, and the coaching staff over there in Carolina. I want to see if Robert Sala can kind of turn the, the, the ship around in New York and, and write the passage, so to speak, and see if Zach Wilson can turn it around. I think that'll be a very 
personal game for Sam. Um, like Kyle said, Cowboys Bucks week one, we all know the Cowboys offense when healthy is absolutely incredible, but we all know that the Buccaneers defense based off of them re-signing pretty much everybody from their Super Bowl roster, them shutting down the NFL's best offense in Kansas City in the Super Bowl. And it's just like, will Dak be able to come back healthy and lead the Cowboys into a fucking incredible week one upset against the Super Bowl champions? Can the Buccaneers recreate the success that they had last year on their path to repeating as champions? You really couldn't ask for a better matchup there, honestly, for the first game of the season. Obviously, as a Colts fan, you got Russell Wilson coming in, Lucas Oil, uh, brand new fucking whole new system coming up out of Indianapolis with Carson Wentz. Obviously, the defense being revamped with a lot of the draft picks that we had and so on and so forth. Super, super amped up for that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence versus maybe Deshaun Watson, depending how all of these lawsuits end up panning out. And I mean, like, like Kyle said, man, you got Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, you know, Najee Harris, Devin Singleton, and just the, the overall defensive presence of both teams going at it. I think that's probably going to be the game of the hour over there. And then at, at four o'clock, like Kyle said, you got the Chiefs and Browns rematch divisionally. I think that the Patriots and the Dolphins are going to kind of like round out that game just because both teams ended up being in better positions than we both thought. The Patriots ended up slacking early on in the season. They ended up coming back at seven and nine. The Dolphins ended up kind of showing out and going 10 and six in the season. So, I mean, I think that that's going to be a very good introduction to the AFC East because it is going to be a lot more competitive than people think. Mm-hmm. And of course, Packers and Saints, Aaron Rodgers, will he be there? Will he retire? Will they trade him in New Orleans? It's not a guarantee. It's going to be Jameis. We'll taste him. He'll take the rain. Will there be another competition? Will Sean Payton split the touches between the both of them to have an open competition for the season? Who the fuck knows? I think that's a game I circle mainly because of we don't know the starters for that game. And that's just weird to say that we don't know who's going to start for the Packers, especially since Aaron Rodgers has been there for well over a decade. So um, obviously that kind of transcends into our next topic. Aaron Rodgers and the entire situation that's going on with the Green Bay front office. Kyle, I got to ask you, um, you have seen the disgruntled franchise quarterback and Tom Brady ended up leaving in free agency willingly. But I mean, if it, but you've seen, you know, Tom wasn't happy with the Patriots front office. Tom wanted more money. Tom wasn't happy with the team that was around him. So, I mean, you have somewhat of an understanding. First off, my first question is, does Aaron have a, a leg to stand on? Does he have a right to be this upset? And my second question is, do you think he's the start of week one? It's a tricky one. Do I think he'll be the, the week one starter? Yes, I think he will be. It. I know things kind of look murky with that right now, but I think he'll end up being the week one starter. I don't have a lot of faith in it, but I'm going to say yes. Now, when it comes to the issues surrounding the Packers, I don't necessarily think that he has a late to stand on with the issues that this team has been having. And look, you mentioned Brady. And the one thing that Brady was really good at was just assessing the team around him. Granted, you know, he didn't have really an all-pro receiver like Aaron Rodgers has with Devontae Adams. Granted, Brady had Gronk to throw to, who's one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. But when it comes to different, though. when it comes to the weapons that Brady had compared to what Aaron Rodgers has. I would still tend to believe that I think Aaron Rodgers has a better cast of weapons and receivers around him than Brady ever did 
with the Patriots. Despite that, though, Brady has seven Super Bowls, but he had six with New England compared to one with Aaron Rodgers, and that was over a decade ago. So when I look at the situation with Aaron Rodgers, I've mentioned this before, but at some point you have to acknowledge that when you look at the cap that Aaron Rodgers is eating up on this team, it is going to have an effect on the entire roster. When you look at this defense, when it, specifically when it comes to the Packers, it has been the weakest part of the team for the last five to 10 years, ever since their last Super Bowl run. And you look at just the overall roster. If you look at what Rogers cap hit was, which I believe is like in excess of like $35 million compared to what Brady had when he was playing with the Patriots, Brady at most was getting paid somewhere in between about like 25, maybe like 28 million with the Patriots. And what I'm saying is, is that the money that the Patriots were able to save with Brady helping out the team build a better roster overall is the reason why that they were so competitive and in so many chances to win Super Bowls or to get to Super Bowls compared to the Packers. The Packers have had chances to get to the Super Bowl. They just have never been able to get there. And oh. that's and that's despite Aaron Rodgers really kind of carrying this team. It's I just think three, three or four NFC championship appearances, and they're all for four since their Super Bowl run. I mean, when you look at what happened last year, that was probably their best chance because Brady played really well in the first half, but played terrible in the second half and gave the Packers multiple chances to win that game. But Aaron Rodgers didn't come through the year before. They get freaking They also spanked. chose to take a field goal, though. That was that, not his call. Yeah, but he had he had a couple he had a couple times to get into the end zone and he missed some throws. I'm, I'm not denying. I'm just saying it's a very big call right there. It's a very yeah. big decision that's above him, and you know I, that's which is understandable. I get that, but even the year before, they go to the NFC Championship game, get absolutely spanked by the 49ers. and I think their last NFC 49, 49ers last year. That was two years ago. Oh, the, right. I was about to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> Well, it yeah, was against, it, against it was Jimmy G. it was last year. It was in 2020. So, and then I think the last NFC Championship game that the Packers were in was against the Seahawks in yeah. 2014, yeah. the 2015 season, where the onside kick went array and the tight end dropped it, and he got cut that off season. Yep. So, I will I won't blame this entirely on Aaron Rodgers. I think that would be unfair for me to say, but he deserves some blame here. Like to what extent? I don't. I don't know what I would really blame it on. On him, maybe like twenty five percent, maybe thirty percent. I wouldn't go like as far as like he deserves more than half the blame. I think that would be unfair to him because he's been playing outstanding. Last year he had an MVP season, and that was despite all the drama in drafting Jordan Love, and still went out there and threw like forty five touchdowns to like five interceptions. Like it was absolutely nuts what he was able to do. But I think this year. He will be the day one starter, but I will say this. I don't know if he's going to finish his career in Green Bay. I think that is really kind of up in the air at this point. I'm not so certain about that because if Brady left after 20 years and didn't really necessarily deal with the problems that Aaron Rodgers is dealing with the Packers, I would think that Aaron Rodgers' time with the Packers is getting pretty limited at this point because I think 
I think they're eventually going to either go with Jordan Love or they're going to try to generate some sort of QB battle or some sort of QB competition. And not only that, I mean, they kind of exacerbated it with freaking signing Blake Bortles just today or the day before. So now you got... I didn't even even really did that. So now you got Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and Blake Bortles on the roster at the quarterback spot. So I think it's just that the Packers are probably doing that just to build up depth at the position. I don't know why, but I will say this. I, I think his time with Green Bay is starting to dwindle, but I still believe he will be the day one starter this season. So, I mean, my, my, my thoughts are a little bit different than yours. Again, I do agree that Aaron's cap hit does take a, a, a genuine effect on Green Bay's availability to bring in talent. However, um, I'm just going to circle on the same point that a lot of people already have. Um, when you have a rookie head coach coming into a situation like LaFleur did and their first decision with their first pick in that draft was to draft a quarterback, let's be blunt. That's a message from your new head coach saying, we're fucking watching, we're paying attention, and we're going to do what we want. We all know, like you said, the season before, they lost to the 49ers. So they're sitting there like, yo, we were this close to another Super Bowl appearance. We need more weapons. We need more help offensively. Drafting a backup quarterback just sends a message to a future Hall of Famer like, you guys do not value my talents. You guys do not value my my opinion, our needs, what I feel that we need to do to improve or get at least back to this particular situation that we just so barely missed. And you went and you drafted a quarterback. That rubs me the wrong way. Aaron Rodgers has been one of the most consistent and very well-performing quarterbacks that the NFL has ever seen, especially with his statistics that he has carried throughout his career. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, replacing Brett Favre is no small feat, and those are some mighty shoes to fill, one of the greatest quarterbacks this game has ever seen. So when you gave Aaron the talent he needed, he produced and he won you a Super Bowl. Now, over time, contracts needed to be signed. Other people needed to be paid. People retired and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's really hard to keep championship teams together because it it comes down to finances. Some people get ahead of themselves in contract negotiations. Some people want to chase a bag. Some people want to come back, but they don't have the money. The list really goes on and on. Keeping a championship team together might be one of the hardest things to do in sports, and that is across all sports because at the end of the day, it is a business. And like Kyle said, um, Aaron hasn't achieved that success since he won his first Super Bowl, and it has been quite difficult to pretty much achieve the promised land, which is to get there, let alone fucking win one. Mm -hmm. Um, I do agree with Kyle with the percentages. Aaron not taking less money to bring more talent in – for sure does make a very big difference. But when you have a brand new head coach that comes in there, I to me that just that that came across arrogant. That came across like a chess move, like a chest move, like, yo, I'm I'm the head coach. I'm doing what I want to do. Like he tried to flex and that just it backfired because obviously Aaron Rodgers went out there and won a fucking MVP. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Aaron Rodgers went out there and threw for 45 touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers threw three touchdowns in the NFC championship game. Like Aaron Rodgers did what the fuck Aaron Rodgers needed to do. Tom Brady played bad, and then you had LaFleur called the fucking field goal at that point in time. Granted, Aaron did miss a lot of opportunities in that game to go up, 
But when you have a quarterback that does, at the end of the day, put up statistical numbers like he does, you kind of have to look around, like, outside of Devontae Adams. Like you said, a lot of those players are better than what the Patriots had on their team while Tom was there. But if they're doubling Devontae or if they're focusing on Devontae and other people cannot create separation, which is exactly what happened in New England, can you really blame Aaron Rodgers for a lack of a call, uh, a bad call, or receivers just genuinely not being open? You can't. I think Aaron has a lot more of a leg to stand on to me because he has publicly stated we need help. He has publicly stated Devontae needs help. He has said, hey, I think we need to do something different. And instead of wasting money or wasting a draft pick or wasting finances on the wrong players like Green Bay has over the last couple of years, um, I truly think they could be in a better place. I'm not saying they would have beat the Bucs. I'm not saying they would have beat the Seahawks. I'm just saying, or the 49ers. I'm just saying in general, um, when your quarterback is vocally saying, hey, I think we need to do something about this, and, the, and, and Green Bay continues to address other needs that aren't what your quarterback and your Hall of Fame quarterback, your MVP quarterback, your all-fucking-pro quarterback, your Super Bowl champion quarterback is saying, I think you should give him a little bit more of an ear to fall on or an ear to listen. He's not Daniel Jones. He's not fucking Derek Carr, who hasn't won anything. He is Aaron Rodgers, who has won two to three MVPs and a Super Bowl in his career. And I think that, you know, the, the GM needed to give him a little bit more of an ear to listen to. You know what I'm saying? I think that his opinion should have been taking, taken into consideration a lot more than what it was. Like, again, I, I completely acknowledge his contract doesn't help. I completely acknowledge that it, it, it doesn't make it easier on a GM to go out and sign other people with less money or more money tied into him. But when you look at it in retrospect, if – the GM continues to do what he's doing. Why the fuck am I not going to take more money? Why the fuck am I not going to maximize the spend I'm getting? Like, you're not listening to me. Why am I going to care? Like I'm doing what I need to do at the quarterback position. But at the end of the day, if we're missing chances because the receivers we have on this team that you brought in aren't producing, that's a you problem. I'm putting the ball in the spot. I have no turnovers. Basically we're winning games. We're in positions to win, and it's just – it's not happening. So, I mean, the Aaron Rodgers situation, like you said, it is very complicated. It is a little unique. Um, He is leaning towards the Carson Palmer road of threatening to retire rather than giving them the satisfaction of playing for them. Um, He's not at that pace yet where he's saying, trade me here or trade me there. He's kind of just saying, I don't want to be here as long as the GM is here or, you know, you kind of have to choose it's me or him. I don't know what Green Bay is going to do because that is literally a diva tantrum. And I don't know if Green Bay's GM is going to tolerate it. So I'm curious to see what ends up happening. But this game as it is of both teams pretty much not knowing as of right this second who is going to start week one just leads me to believe this game could end up being a very unorganized clusterfuck. Because we all know if Jameis starts it, it could be turnover central for the fucking Saints. But if Taysom Hill starts, it could end up being a lot of freaking run-pass option plays that don't really go anywhere. And if Jordan Love starts for Green Bay, we all know that there were rumors circulating all offseason and all season that Jordan Love suffered from accuracy issues all year long in practice. So basically, it could end up being two quarterbacks throwing to the other team the entire game. 
Or it could be Aaron Rodgers going up against Jameis Winston, who's filling in the shoes for Drew Brees after he retired. So I, when it comes to the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, it'll be interesting to see how this whole situation uh, develops. Hands out. Yeah. Just simply because, look, I think the, the one thing that I think Aaron Rodgers has to get comfortable with, and I think this is something that I think Brady got used to almost a decade ago, was, look, the team is always going to be drafting for the future. And at one day, you are going to be expendable. Yeah. And I remember back in, like, 2011, 2012, when the Patriots drafted Ryan Mallett. They were even saying back then that Mallett could be the guy to replace Brady two, three years in. Obviously, they never materialized. Even with Jimmy G. <laughs> with Jimmy G, they drafted him in 2014. They A lot of people in NFL circles thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be the guy to replace Brady. They, end up, they ended up trading him to San Francisco. Brady wins a couple Super Bowls. And now Jimmy G is possibly – either on the way out from San Francisco or is still going to be there while they develop Trey Lance. So, and now Brady's with Tampa and he just came off of a Super Bowl his first season there. So the one thing that I think Rogers has a difficult time understanding, or at least I think he understands it. I just don't think that he likes it is the fact that, Hey man, you are expendable. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers is a, Hall of Fame quarterback. That doesn't mean he's exempt from being expendable. Yeah. And Brady was able to do it very well in New England by basically using, I think, the team drafting quarterbacks as fuel to outcompete them and put New England in a situation where they were going to win Super Bowls. I think he did that very effectively. And he wasn't really, and Brady wasn't really vocal about that in his time with New England, maybe up until the whole Jimmy G situation started to really come to fruition. And even despite that, New England won two Super Bowls. Yeah. With with Rodgers, though, Rodgers is a lot more vocal, and his leadership skills aren't necessarily the best, not compared to Brady. He's an impeccable leader of a team. Yeah, we've heard a lot of, you know, negative stories coming from Green Bay and former players that have played with Aaron that he could be a little bit overwhelming. Rodgers is a little bit more critical um, than I think a lot of guys on the team probably would like him to be. Yeah. But that just kind of speaks to Aaron Rodgers' personality. And and look, granted, you know, not every player is going to be, you know, a shining star on a hill like Brady is when it comes to leadership skills. And and like, I, yeah. I get it. It's just that with Rogers, Rogers does have, a, have a, have a little bit more of a, Oh God, how do I put this in the words? I wouldn't say confrontational, but like, that seems like a little bit too far. A little bit more of an assertive. Attitude. I, I think he's a little bit more vulnerable to just criticism overall of some teammates and some coaches around him than Brady was. That's yeah. probably the, best way that I can put it without being overly disrespectful to to Rodgers and I'm not and I don't want to get this lost in translation Rodgers's play on the field has been absolutely f- phenomenal that goes without saying yeah it's just when it comes to his leadership skills they're not necessarily the best 
Yeah, they're always at some point in question. But before we go out and, you know, dragging this episode on just about Aaron Rodgers, obviously we know this news is for the most part relatively old in regards to update-wise. You know, Aaron's kind of staying with his camp. The Packers are staying with their camp. So it's just going to be a chess game at this point. You know, who's going to make a move? Who's going to cut? Who's going to give? But in regards to the next subject, I know for a fact, Kyle, I, I, I know you have a lot of interest in this because, well, first of all, it's your GOAT. It is the GOAT. And it is your team in which your GOAT played for. So this matchup, Tom's dad saying what he said, making the comments that he did. I'm not going to get into what he said. You can go out there. This is your squad. This is your moment. Like, how do you feel about what Mr. Brady said about this game? He's excited for it, and I would be too. This is the first matchup that we're going to see between Brady against the Patriots. This is probably going to be the only time that we're going to actually see this matchup in the rest of Brady's career because I think this will be the only time that this matchup ever occurs because usually uh, AFC East teams and NFC South teams only really compete against each other like once every like four years. So, But just to kind of dive into what – Brady's dad said he said that the Bucks are basically going to handily beat the Patriots and that after the Bucks leave Foxborough the Bucks are going to be 4-0 so he is extremely confident about his son's ability to go out there and perform extremely well against his old team now here's the thing though and this is something that I think maybe his dad understands but maybe kind of like lost sight of it in the moment. The Patriots have a decent defense here. That pass rush that they have is going to be a tough one for the Bucks to deal with. And the secondary, the secondary is still pretty strong. They still got Devin as the lead safety back there. They still have Stephon Gilmore on the roster. He actually survived all of the trade rumors throughout the draft and is still currently on the team. It's just crazy to me. And you're getting all the COVID uh, opt-outs from last year back, except for Patrick Chung. Patrick Chung retired this offseason. So you got, now you got Dante Hightower, who is the captain of the defense. And maybe you could say Devin McCourty as well. Like those are the two captains leading the way. That is not the same defense that we saw last year. This defense is going to be much better than they were last year. They have a better pass rush with with adding Matt Judon to the roster and Devon Gacha from the Dolphins last year. So the main thing with New England, though, is what are they going to be able to produce offensively? New England went out of their way to really try to build up this offense from last season, which was, by all accounts, and I watched all these games, was atrocious. Um, they just really couldn't generate any sort of consistency throughout the season to really put up a decent amount of points. And it was Cam's first season in a new system coming off of a shoulder surgery, and he wasn't necessarily his best. But now that he has a full season under his belt with New England and now going into his second year with the Pats, I expect him to be in a better position to compete better than he did last year. Yeah. So I think on paper, I think everybody's probably thinking, yeah, the Bucks are going to roll into Foxborough and pretty much do what they're going to do. And – I'm not going to go that far. I think it's going to be a much more competitive game. And look, Belichick coached Brady for 20 years. There's not one guy 
that knows Brady better than Belichick. So he knows how to get to Brady. And really all they got to do is bring some sort of interior pass rush to get him off a spot and feel uncomfortable. And it's very odd for me to talk about Brady this way because he's, he's my guy. Yeah. It's, but it's like, you have to kind of look at him as, as an opponent for one week and you got to find out his weaknesses and it's going to be a pass rush. You have to be able to get a pass rush and you've got to hold up on the back end. And I do think that when you look at the Patriots secondary, they at least have the players that are capable of rising up to the challenge to compete and play decent defense against Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, AB, Cameron Bray, you name it. Trust me, the Bucks got a squad, but the Patriots defense can hold their own against that team. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout like some people may project it. Maybe I think what I think Brady's dad is kind of projecting here, but I think it's going to be a closer game than I think people realize. And it's going to be interesting to see what Cam produces on the offensive side of the ball. That's really the question mark here. And that's the that's the part where maybe Brady's dad is right just because there are still some question marks with Cam's ability to lead the Patriots offense. But all in all, this is going to be a great matchup. I'm going to love it. I'm going to be right in front of my TV watching it. I, th- I believe it's a Sunday night game. So this is probably going to be the most watched Sunday night game of the season. I'd be hard-pressed to find a better game than this one. Yeah, it's the 3rd of October. It's that Sunday night. Um, dude, I'm dealing with it. I don't, know what, I don't know what it is. I'm dealing with sniffles, dude. It's awful. And I'm sitting here passing out mid-episode. I'm exhausted. Guys, I'm sorry if I seem like I'm nodding off. I've been up since 6 a.m. Today has been quite a hectic day. It's midnight right now as we record. So, you know, we are pretty much on fumes for the day. So we're going to try to push through. Um I think that the game's going to be interesting. I think Tom playing against his former team, his coach is going to have a little bit more energy, a little bit more pep in his step. Not that Tom comes to any game playing half-assed, but this is going to be something circled on his calendar. This is for sure going to be something that he wants to dominate and make sure that New England probably feels that they regret letting him go or, you know, make New England feel some type of pain. And, um, I think it's going to be a great game. I'm excited for it. Obviously, it's week four, so we do have some other games to get into. Um, but in other news of the NFL, I know that this kind of report, not this kind, this report came out earlier this week slash rumored to be happening over the weekend, or should I say last weekend. Um, Tim Tebow, former Florida quarterback, former Broncos, former Jet, former Eagles, former Patriot. everything, former 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 Patriot, former New York Met. I mean, you name it. Tim Tebow has pretty much been all over the place. Um, Tim Tebow has signed or is expected to sign a one-year contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars to play tight end for the Jags. Um, I would like to have more on this, honestly. The only thing I really have to say is it's just weird. Um, I, I really, I don't, I really have anything else to say. The man has played quarterback pretty much his whole life. He played outfield in, in the MLB and, and, and you're going to have him now playing tight end. Um, I don't know about you, Kyle, but I'm pretty sure you can't just go out there and after you've played one position your whole life, just magically switch in your thirties and expect to be dominant or at least effective. Uh, the signing makes no sense. The signing and the position makes no sense. 
Yeah, no, it just doesn't fucking make sense. And I'm kind of at a loss for words. But I mean, like, what, what the hell is your take on this whole Tebow situation? Because I just think it's weird. Okay. Let's get one thing straight here. If people are, are thinking that Tim Tebow got this or is going to get this contract from the Jacksonville Jaguars because he's white, need to stop it. He got the, He's going to get this contract reportedly. I don't know if it's actually going to happen or not. It is he's going, he's going to sign it. There's no he is going to get it because of the personal relationship that he has with Urban Meyer. I, I don't want to address this whole racial aspect of it that some people in the sports media are going. It's just that is pretty much the main pull of it here. Now, with that said, though, I don't think that – I mean, just because Tim Tebow might get signed to the roster doesn't mean that he's going to be like a viable piece for the team. If he might Urban not Meyer, even play. If Urban Meyer wants to do this, this is on him. And that's where really the responsibility should be laid um, at the feet of. Because when you look at the reports, it, it is kind of a it is kind of a controversial topic simply just because look, Tim Tebow hasn't been in the league for what over five years? It's just like what, like 2014 or like 2013? It's been a while since he's been in the league. Almost, almost a decade, yeah. So when it comes to a roster spot, I, I think it would probably be better to find somebody who's a little bit more current at the tight end spot. There are a lot of tight, uh, free agent tight ends that you could be looking at to sign on the team. So the whole idea of Tebow being on the team is a questionable one for me, but I understand why just because of the personal relationship that, that Tebow and Urban Meyer hold between each other. That's the reason why he's probably going to get this contract or he's going to sign this contract. But do I think that his presence is going to help the Jaguars overall? Maybe, but I think it's going to be pretty limited at best because I don't know how well he's going to be playing at the tight end spot. It's like you said at the top, he's mostly played his entire career as a football player, as a quarterback. And now all of a sudden, after being out of the league for almost a decade, he's going to transition into a tight end. It's a whole different position to learn, and I don't. I didn't really see just a couple of months. I I I don't see a lot of. I don't see a lot of room for him to really develop as a tight end. He's thirty four years old, so it's 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 gonna be weird. It's it's just a weird sign. It it would be a weird signing. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know, maybe they'll just sign him for debt purposes, but like, it's 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 a shaky one. It's a shaky one for me. And it's not because of his race. No. It's not because no. of that. It's because I just don't know how viable he's going to be as a player on the team. And honestly, he may even get cut before the season starts. I can't even rule that out. I can't rule that out either. So I know that my opinion is probably like all over the place here. But it's like, no. it's just the move wouldn't really make a lot of sense positionally speaking. But how he gets on the team, I get it. I do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an awkward situation. Once again, as everybody knows, being a big Gator fan and Urban retiring and then going to Ohio State and then retiring and now he's coaching in the NFL. Um, it, it just goes to show how tight these connections are, man. It really does go to show who you meet, who you know really does matter. And obviously you're sitting here like, hey, by the way, like I want to come back, coach. Like, what are you going to do for me? And it's like, 
obviously everybody knows that Tebow is not the greatest tight end that everybody's seen. He's not an undrafted free agent. He's not somebody that played tight end sometimes at Florida or in the league, but there was a lot of hype behind it. There was a lot of probably chitter and chatter about why he's coming back or, you know, why they want him back. But I really don't have anything to say after you reiterated what it is that you went through. And it's just, it's a little crazy. It's a little confusing, but you know, what, what, what are we going to do at this point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's urban Meyer's responsibility at the end of the day. Yeah. So whatever happens with this whole Tim Tebow thing, that's where the responsibility should be laid at. So I don't really have much else to say other than that. It'll be interesting to see if he gets signed though. It'll be just, yeah, it, it, it'll just the be, rumor has it is he's going to sign this week or like at the end of the week. So, I mean, we don't know the specifications of the contract. I would assume there has to be a lot of stipulations involved, a, a lot of incentives. It's, like it's, it's, it's there's a, no way they're going to give him a straight contract with money guaranteed. It's a one-year deal. That's pretty much what most of the reports that I've seen yeah. are cir- circulating around. It's pretty much going to be a one-year deal, probably on a veteran minimum contract. And I wouldn't quite- even give him that, bro. He hasn't been in the league in 10 years, and it's at a it, – how do I give you the vet minimum of a position you haven't never played? Like, that's what like I'm a- saying. The contract – I'm very curious to see what the contract's going to say. It is going to be a very base salary. You know, you're yeah. probably talking somewhere around maybe like 500000 like 750000 You want to build some yeah. incentives into it? That's fine. I don't know if he's even getting close to hitting those incentives because – No, I, I would doubt it, honestly. Like, I just – you never played tight end. It's getting more physical. You haven't played football in some time. Granted, you can get into football shape, but that doesn't mean you're ready for those reps. It, so, yeah, like Kyle said, yeah, it, it, there's not really much there's no to say – there's no guarantee he's even going to make the roster by week one. Yeah. So we're just, we're kind of just sitting here like, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I mean, transitioning into the next topic, um, the NBA is coming to a close in terms of its regular season. Um, Kyle and I have been talking about it for the last two, three weeks consistently. We are both very excited about these matchups. Um, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference right now, and this is the place we want to focal focus as a focal point right now and as of right now the top eight seeds are the the 76ers brooklyn nets milwaukee bucks atlanta hawks miami heat new york knicks the boston celtics and the charlotte hornets right so obviously it goes one eight two seven three six and four five in terms of playoff matchups because of the seeding right now the brooklyn nets are a full game ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks after Giannis dropped 40, 15, and 6. Nuts. So the Bucks are on a good tear. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10, and Brooklyn is trying to get it into its groove. They are 6-4, and four, winning their last three. And Kyle and I were talking about it prior to recording. Kyle, I, I, I got I to gotta ask, because we, we, we briefly touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I want to stop you there. I want to flip this on you, since you're the native New Yorker. What would it be like if the Bucks overtook the Nets at the two spot? The Nets would drop to the three, and in the first round of the playoffs, the Brooklyn Nets would go up against the New York Knicks. You've got to let me have it, bro. What would hey, you think about hey, this possible hey, matchup? Man. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Real quick, I know I talked my shit about the Knicks. I know I had my beef with the whole KP trade. 
overall, I am a New Yorker, so I'm happy the city is doing good. Let me clarify that real quick. Shout out to Darnell, my brother Brandon, um, uh, Angelo, all the, all, the, all the loyal Jeff, everybody, all the loyal Nick fans that have stood with this team with all the shit that they have gone through over the last eight years since their last playoff appearance. I give it to you guys. You guys clinched the spot. I'm super happy for you. I know the city is super excited to get on this. Knicks, Nets, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. If this three versus six seed happens, Kyle, Manhattan will explode. Nick fans, Brooklyn fans, random fans. It's going to be one for the history books. Obviously, we lost an entire year with fans with COVID this past season. Obviously, the Knicks haven't been in the postseason since 2013 and Carmelo Anthony. Brooklyn is fully loaded. James Harden is healthy. I really don't know what to say because the excitement behind it, for me, that's not even a Nick or Net fan is insane because I know for a fact New York is going to erupt. Doesn't matter the outcome. Obviously, like, you know, like, I know more Nick fans than Net fans, but I'm just saying, like, this is good for basketball. This is good for sports. This is good for the city. It is going to be an electrifying matchup. The Knicks don't roll over. The Nets have one of the greatest offenses in NBA history. Tom Thibodeau is turning this team around for New York. Steve Nash is running the team that he runs in Brooklyn. I'm hyped. I got goosebumps thinking about it. I will not miss a game of this series if this happens the way that we are predicting or expecting or wanting it to happen, this is going to be a series for NBA history because the Knicks are back in the postseason and the Nets are looking to make it to the NBA finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. So, I mean, for New York to go up against New York for the first challenge to be borough versus borough, bro, there's going to be beef, bro. People are going to get on trains and people are going to get in cabs. We're going to get on buses and they're going to see the Brooklyn hat or the Knicks hat. It's going to be beef immediately, bro. It's going to be hands on site. It's going to be fucking drama on site. It's going to be crazy. And I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I really am. I'm super hyped for all the people I just named because those are the people that I talk to on the regular about the Knicks. And it's like, they understand they want a higher seating just because they want to know that they did well this season. But if it were to end the way that it does right now, if, if, if the Nets were to fall to that three spot, I know for a fucking fact, this is the matchup they want. This is the opponent they want to face. They want all the fucking smoke with each other, and they don't care what it takes, bro. I don't know if the Knicks win this series just because the the firepower of Brooklyn in a seven-game series could be a lot to overtake. But as a New Yorker, seeing the potential matchup that's approaching, I think this is going to, like, I think they're going to blow up ratings. I think this is going to blow the ratings out of the water for week one if this were to happen, if, like, for the first round, in my opinion. I'm going to sit here and tell you right now. If they were to get this matchup between the Knicks and the Nets in the first round of the playoffs, it would be fireworks. I would have my freaking face glued in front of the TV watching this series. And God forbid if this happens – but what if, I'm just saying, what if the Knicks beat the Nets? The, the, the first the, the, okay, round okay. Of the I got to cut you off. I got to cut you off. I'm sorry. If the New York Knickerbockers 
beat the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie, KD, and Harden need to dismantle. Like, they need to break it off. They're never going to be able to walk downtown. They're never going to be able to walk through a borough. They're never going to be able to fucking ride anything. Like, they're never going to be able to go anywhere. Nick fans are relentless. Nick fans are ruthless. Nick fans are fucking heartless. And I say that because when the Porzingis trade happened, my DMs were fucking blown up for months. My mentions are still blown up about this trade. If the Knicks beat the Nets, no Net fan can come out and say anything ever again for years. Even if the Knicks lose in the next series, even if the fucking Nets come back fully loaded and fucking LeBron James joins the Nets, bro, it's going to be like the Nets will be regarded as they bitch made team of New York. Like the (laughs) Knicks on paper versus the Nets on paper are incomparable to me. You know what I'm saying? Kevin Durant's better than Julius. Fucking Kyrie Irving's better than RJ. James Harden is better than motherfucking Northern's Noel or whoever the fuck else the third option is on this goddamn team. Derrick Rose or something like that. The Knicks should not win this series, again, based on just paper of talent that each team has. But if it happens, if it happens, I, I, I warn every Nets fan. Don't 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 leave your house. Don't don't get on the train. <laughs> don't get on the bus, bro. If 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 you got to work in the city, call out. Give it a week. It's still gonna be bad, but bro, just do yourself a favor. Just don't do it because this this ain't gonna pan out, bro. That that ain't it. Whatever old saying you want to say, bro. Tell your boss you gotta feed your cat. You have fucking malaria. Just, just just fucking say something because you, y'all gonna get fucking abused the second you leave the crib with anything Brooklyn bro heaven forbid people know you're a fucking Nets fan and the Knicks beat you in the playoffs just 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 you like that TikTok oh don't do that yes don't fucking do it if you value your life and your sanity don't do it I'm just saying granted it has to happen and granted there's got there's gonna be a lot of dominoes to fall first before yeah a lot that, of that hypothetical even comes to reality but man, what a time it would be to live in the city if by some miracle the Nets dropped to the three seed, they played the Knicks in the first round of the playoffs, and the Knicks beat the Nets in the first round of the playoffs. The Nets will never be able to live that down. Kevin Durant will never be able to live that down. Kyrie, oh. James, there will be so much criticism thrown their way. It'll be it'll be relentless, and the only thing that I could probably probably equate it to would be just the relentless criticism that LeBron got from the entire league when he made the move down the South Beach after his South Beach, yep, with the Cavs. Oh, they I granted it won't be the vitriol won't be as severe as what LeBron faced when his with his first year with Miami. Yeah. But it's just the jokes and the memes will never stop against the Nets. They would, it, it would no. just be a, a constant wave of jokes on Twitter about the Nets lost to the Knicks in the first round. Of the my timeline would be broken. My friends, my group chats, my phone calls, my social media and by it is going to be nuts. I, I, Honestly, I, granted, I know Knicks fans probably want an NBA title more than anything else. Of course, of course. But they will 
but granted, this season has already been pretty a pretty good success for the Knicks. Man, if they don't win the finals, but they somehow manage to beat the Nets in the first round of the playoffs, I think they'll suffice with that. I know a lot of Knicks fans will just be happy that it wasn't the Nets that won, and I know that they'll be happy they won a series, and I know that they'll be even more happy knowing it was against the rival across the bay. You know what I'm saying? Like they they will just they'll be able to sleep at night. I'm not even a Knicks fan, and I want this to happen. I agree. I, I want to see this happen. I just want to see the matchup because the Knicks, granted, they don't have the the caliber of players to go toe to toe with the Nets. But this team is gritty, and they don't give up. Nope. And that's the one thing that I love about this Knicks team is that they just find ways to stay competitive and grind out games. And I really do think that this this blend of like veteran leadership with the youth that they have on this team is just great. And I hope it continues into the playoffs. But I, I, I just I pray that this series ends up happening. It would be so great for the NBA. And a battle of New York to start off the playoffs? Are you kidding me? Ratings will go through the roof just just in the state alone. Honestly, like everybody would be glued to their TV. Bars would have it on. Everything it, it it would be just great for basketball. The Knicks in the playoffs is good for basketball. The city would just be on fire if that yeah, series would happen I, the first round of the playoffs. I would love to go home and watch some of these games, but obviously, you know, <sighs> cost fucking money to fly. Yeah. Bro, I'm, I'm I'm literally looking at their last game. I'm sitting here like, bro, these these, these fucking guys, bro. Julius Randle had 25, 9, and 9. Fucking RJ Barrett had fucking 24, 9, and 5. Alec Burks had fucking 30, 10, and 2 in 34 minutes off the bat. Like, the, the Knicks are no joke. The Knicks are no scrub. The Knicks are back. And I'm happy for them. I really am. Because this, this, this potential matchup could break the internet. Oh, yeah. For me, at least. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the Bulls beat the Nets or the Cavs beat the Nets, it beat the Nets in the next two games, and I'm hoping that the Bucks find a way to either beat the Heat and the Bulls in their next two games just to make this series happen. It's, oh, yeah. It's a, probably a pipe dream. I don't care. I need to see it. I'd love it. That, that's it. That, 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 that's what we're leaving it on. We both want to see it. We both are fucking dying for it. It's been rumored that all Nick fans wanted this to happen all season long. The potential of it being right in front of us is beyond enticing. So we're just going to kind of like simply transition into our last segment of the evening. And we are going to talk about our favorite sports moments of our life that we've witnessed, whether in person or on TV. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. You had to pick one. And 27, 26 years of life, what you got for me? It's tough because I've got two and I got to narrow it down to one. But the best sports moment that I can remember was the 28 to three comeback with the New England Patriots beating the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51. And the reason why I picked that one and the other, and I didn't pick the other one, which was Malcolm Butler getting the game winning interception against Seattle in Super Bowl 49, is because being down 28 to three in the Super Bowl, the game's over. The jokes were already being written, the memes were already on their way because it looked like the, the Patriots were going to get smacked. The Falcons looked like 
they were well on their way. They were one quarter away from winning a Super Bowl. Because going into the fourth quarter, the Falcons were up 28 to 9. And I remember famously that the Atlanta Falcons put on their Twitter page 15 minutes to go with, you know, the score being 28 to 9. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Patriots score 19 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to tie it up. They win the toy, they win the coin toss in overtime. They get the ball and Brady just marches them down the field. And then James White gets a small little toss to the outside, carries it into the end zone for a touchdown. That game was so amazing to me because I didn't think it was going to happen. I really thought it wasn't going to happen. I just didn't think it was going to happen just because the deficit was so big and they're just, they didn't have time. And even when they were chipping away, it was just the situation. It was like, they just don't have enough time left. And I thought Atlanta was going to be able to generate some points in the second half after they scored, they had an early third quarter touchdown. Field goal. I thought it was a field goal. It was a touchdown. I think Devontae Freeman caught a little swing pass. Right. Right. right, right, right. 28 to three. Yep. yep. And I thought that they would have been able to generate some sort of points to get on, to get above 30, but they, they were never able to get over the 30 mark. So you had to give a lot of credit to the Patriots defense for really stepping up in the second half and allowing Brady and the offense to generate the comeback that they did. I mean, it's the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. 100%. It's one of the most memorable games in NFL history. It's probably one of the top three Super Bowls of all time just because of the significance that that comeback had. Brady had his fifth Super Bowl, which surpassed Joe Montana, who at that time was regarded as probably the greatest quarterback who had ever played the game. And it, it was just – a moment in time where it just you couldn't believe that it was actually happening. Like I, I sit here today, like I, I watch that game every now and then just to kind of refresh my memory about it. It, it was just an amazing comeback. The only time that I've ever seen really a comeback like that with New England was maybe a couple years before, where I think the Patriots were down twenty four nothing at home to the Denver Broncos. This is when Peyton was on the, the Broncos at the time. They come back from 24 nothing down and end up winning the game in overtime. Similar situation. The Patriots are down by 25 in the biggest game of the year. And they somehow managed to come back and provide the entire sports world a moment that it will never forget. And for me personally, I... I'm still stunned to this day that the Patriots were able to come back and get their fifth Super Bowl in one of the most dramatic fashions that we'll ever see. I mean, let it be noted for the audience. Um, I was one of the people that were blowing Kyle up that evening. Um, Kyle got a lot of satisfaction. I actually rejected about six of his calls that night after the Patriots won. Uh, I did contemplate blocking his number. Um, I contemplated turning my phone off. I almost threw my phone in the pool. Um, there are a lot of emotions running through my mind when the Falcons choked. So, um, you know, I, I, I vividly remember that evening. And then the second it was 28 to three, it was just like, yo, your boy sucks. I'll never be better than fucking Joe Montana. 
Um, he thought he was going to win. He thought he was going to walk in here and roll over. Dwight Freeney's going to get another one. Because at the time, Dwight Freeney was on the Falcons, and he had about, I think, a sack and a half, if not two sacks on Brady, because he was just torching with the fucking Hall of Fame spin move that he has or had. Um, but nevertheless, you know what I'm saying? You know where I'm getting at. Um, that game was incredible. That game was forever memorable. And obviously, as a Patriots fan, it, it, it's it's an iconic and historic game in itself. Tom Brady's the only guy that I know who's ever beaten the internet like that. He's the only guy. He's beaten time, and he's he's still beating time, and he has beaten the internet multiple times. Um, for my moment, um, this is actually something I was privileged and blessed to witness in person. I was at the 2008 All-Star Game Home Run Derby at Yankee Stadium. My dad surprised me for my 13th birthday, and he took me to that game or should I say that home run derby? And I was able to witness Josh Hamilton break an all-star game record and should I say shatter an all-star game record with 28 home runs in one round. And to top it off, well, you know, a couple of things to top it off. One, it's in fucking Yankee Stadium. I was over the moon. I was, I was home. I was in the greatest place on earth in the world. To me, like that was just a place that I found to be a magical place. Like a lot of people find Disney, like that's Yankee stadium to me. It's just when I'm there, I feel like nothing can go wrong. That's first. Um, second, it was the last year of the stadium. So everything that had happened in that game was legitimate history. Whether Josh hit two home runs or whether he had 28, I got to witness the final all-star game, or should I say the final home run derby in that stadium. And third, well, where Josh was actually hitting them was about five to six rows beneath my seats. And for those of you that actually remember this game or those of you that actually remember this, this tournament, um, Josh was hitting them pretty much upper deck for his first like 12, if not for his first like 20. He was just sending them. And I sat, if he were hitting them, like obviously the upper deck goes in an angle. If Josh was hitting them like right in the middle, I was sitting like right where my finger is. Like he lived, like I could legit call to the guy that would catch the home run and be like, yo, are you fucking kidding me? Like I, I witnessed one of the greatest moments in baseball history. Like this man was sending everything, yeah. every, obviously it's a home run derby. It's soft pitch. It's where you want it to be. But I don't think people understand how tiring and fatigue a home run derby takes on somebody. You're literally swinging the bat, trying to send it out every swing. And at the time, it, it just, it looked like Josh wasn't even trying. We hit fucking like 12 and it was like, bro, like you won the round. Are you fucking done? And then he hit like fucking 16 more. And it was just like, what the fuck did we just watch? Like, bro, my, me and my dad were side by side. And mind you, that's a grown-ass man who's watched the hundreds of Yankee games between his career and him growing up. Like, we were just like, <laughs> this, 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 this dude is teeing off. And we had people in front of us by our side, by our behind us. Like, bro, the, the stadium was not quiet. Every hit, every slap, every home run was just <sighs> – like the, 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 for those of you that have been to a sporting event, like magnet, like magnify that by like a hundred. 
every every crack of the bat was just an eruption of just emotion and it was amazing and to top it off i'll never forget it because my dad and i in between batters obviously you know like people are sitting down people are getting food people are going to the bathroom commercial breaks everything every, every everything you could think of you know what i'm saying like when there's intermissions people are going to the restroom people are going to get food at the concession stands so I forget who it was it's at bat. It's not Josh. It's someone else. I know Justin Morneau won that home run derby because Josh burnt himself out in that round. And I'm pretty sure Josh ended up only getting like three or four home runs and Morneau ends up winning with like five or six. So it was like, it kind of sucked that, you know, a, yeah. a Minnesota, not only a Minnesota Twins player winning the fucking thing, but like Josh Hamilton breaks history and ends up not winning it. So it kind of sucked. But you could see him at the plate on the Megatron. Like he was like on the big screen. He was just like, he was dead. He burnt out early. You know what I'm saying? Like he was over it. So we're sitting there. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told Kyle this in our friendship at some point, but he's probably going to be surprised when I tell him this again, because it's just to, to me at 13, I was just in awe. So between at bats or between home runs, we would hear different noises. Again, it is the final year Yankee Stadium is open. It's before the new stadium had opened. So it's the original Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. My dad and I hear this weird noise. And we're looking around, we're looking around. Obviously, like I said, it's in between home runs or it's in between innings or transition, like, you know, batters coming up to bat. And And, you know, as the game progresses, we continue to hear it throughout the day. So right after Josh breaks the record, right after Josh like erupts and that, that he gets the final out, we hear what seems to be a drill, but we're just like kind of looking around and we're like, what the fuck? Like, what do you mind you? We're in the third deck. We're in like the super upper portion. Like we're about seven rows behind the final wall in the upper deck. So we're like, we're up there. Yeah. Which is once again, why I stand by what I say, like this man, Josh was sending it because I could, spit on the back wall of the highest portion of the stadium and josh was hitting them like six rows right in front of us which was just incredible um back to what i was saying though we're sitting there we keep hearing like like different points of the night and we're like yo what the fuck we can't find anything everybody's standing everybody's cheering everybody's going nuts um so we're, we're we're sitting there, and I, again, I can't remember who it was in between or what was going on, but the bottom line is we found out what it was. It was the people behind us drilling the seat covers off of the stadium, <laughs> taking them one by one, and we caught them, and we, and we turned around, and we're like, what the fuck and the guy is with his boy or his brother or whatever and they're like (laughs) mind you again it's the fucking bronx like people fucking steal (laughs) stupid shit bro like people fucking steal bus tokens people fucking steal seat covers like people steal everything right but again it's yankee stadium Everything that comes out of this stadium is going to sell for thousands of fucking dollars because it's, it's an original piece by the end of the night, the man had no seat because he drilled the top, he drilled the fucking arm armrests, and he drilled the seat off. So it was a hole <laughs> in the aisle. 
and they took one. They didn't take both. They were smart. <laughs> one guy, one guy <laughs> took the seat back, put it under his shirt. The other guy took the seat base, put it under his shirt, and the armrests were long enough to fit in their pockets. They wore jeans and put their shirt over it. They wore like cargo pants. And it's summertime, bro. It's fucking like July 12th, July 13th. The all-star game for the MLB is always in the middle of July. So it's hot. And obviously they left. They left with, they left with a part of the stadium. And as we're walking out, as you know, the home run derby ended, we all have to walk out accordingly down the file line into the fucking corridor, into the hallway. And we see them. And we just look at them. And we make eye contact. And we wanted to say something. But it was like, what are we supposed to say? Like, they just robbed Yankee Stadium blind. Um, I don't remember their names or whatever the fuck happened. But all I know is I'll never forget. Like, the stadium's cheering for something. Everybody's up. And the two of them are sitting. And it's legit. I cannot exaggerate what it was. It was one guy sitting like this. And the other guy sitting like this, drilling underneath. But the one I made eye contact with, the drill's in this hand, and he's literally – he can't make it consistently loud. So, like, every time a home run was cracked or every time the crowd went nuts, he would make a little bit of the screw looser. And they got two Yankee Stadium chairs. I've never heard this story before. That's a good I've one, told bro. It to, I've, told, I've told it to you before, but, like, it was when we first, 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 first met. I honestly don't even remember it. That's a good one. That – you know how much time and effort it is to drill a seat out of the they unscrewed it, yeah, yeah. And they did two of them. Mind you, for the record, like to go into what? a stadium, you need to go through a metal detector. Uh-huh. How they got the drill in the stadium <laughs> baffles the fuck out of me. But they did it. And they got the chairs, and it's probably somewhere in their house if they're smart. If they sold it, they probably made thousands of dollars because people were selling dirt. People were selling bricks, like actual (laughs) fucking rocks from the stadium. Um, Believe it or not, the story actually gets better because I got to be on the field that day and my dad without putting his government out there had accessibility to certain things because of his job and my uncle Tony one of my dad's really good friends knew somebody in the stadium who did security and we had to wait outside the stadium for about four hours so we're talking like after or before after okay the home run derby ended at like 10, 11. We didn't get back into the stadium until about 3 a.m. I got to stand on the field that Derek Jeter stood on. I got to be on the field with Chuck Knobloch, Andy Pettit, Bernie Williams, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mant, everybody. I got to be on that field. I got to walk the dirt, the bases, the outfield. I got to fucking walk in the bullpen, sit in the dugout. It's one of the greatest experiences of my whole life. 
like, like I get emotional thinking about it because the Yankees are my world. Like they're my whole life, like born and raised in the Bronx pinstripes were everything I've ever been taught. And I got to stand on the field that history was made the greatest franchise in sports bro my hands are standing like i will never ever forget like i was there and my uncle actually my uncle actually took his swiss army knife and cut a chunk of right field out (laughs) and like it's like a fucking big ass chunk And Bobby Abreu tripped in the outfield <laughs> the next game because it's a, it's a big trunk, bro. It's missing. It fit his whole cleat in it. And Bobby calls the grounds crew because he's literally stepping in the outfield because it's by the warning track. And he's literally sitting there. And he's like, yo, it's like we have no grass here. Like, what the fuck is this? And, like, I call my uncle immediately. And I'm just like, deal. Bro, Bobby just fucking, he's rolled his fucking ankle. I know, I know. It's, I said, bro, you see what you just did? Like, yo, I fucking, it, it, the, the grass is sitting in my living room right now. I know it's crazy. <laughs> and it was just, dude, it was, it was incredible, man. That was easily the greatest experience of my entire life. And like, that was, that was my greatest sports moment. And I will tell that story till the day I die. You know, I, I was thinking about it like when you were going through it, I was like, you know, your experience is, is a lot different than mine because you were actually there. I was there. Yeah. See, the reason why I didn't pick being at Super Bowl 55, because I was actually there for that game between the uh, the Bucks and the Chiefs. It's not my team. I'm not a Bucks fan. I'm a Brady fan, yeah. you know, through and through. But the Bucks aren't my team. Had I been at that Houston Super Bowl, or or just you know, had I been at that game where you know Brady leads that comeback, I I don't know what would I don't know what I would have done had I been at that game. Like just like the the swivel of emotions going from oh my god, like we're getting smoked. I just spent all this money to watch my team get freaking spanked by the Falcons and then they come back and win. I guarantee you like, like there are moments like where you'll never forget them. That would have like, I would have loved to have that experience. And I remember I, I thought about going to the Atlanta Super Bowl on uh, Super Bowl 53 where the Patriots played against the, uh, the Rams. I'm so glad that I didn't because it was probably one of the most boring Super Bowls we've ever seen. But I remember you were debating on that one. But you were my, teetering on tickets. But, but but my experience like is is Super Bowl Fifty One simply just because of a major comeback. But yours is probably better than mine simply just because that you were physically there, and it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't care what anybody says. Being at the event that you, you that you watch every year, whether it's the Super Bowl, the Home Run Derby, the World Series, it doesn't matter. There's just something. It's just it just it feels more alive. It's a lot yeah, more man. different than being at home watching the game. Don't get me wrong. Watching games from home is great. It will never replace actually being there. 
Because I, I remember yeah. a lot of people were saying like Super Bowl 55 with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl was pretty boring. Yeah, if you were watching at home, it might have been boring. Not there. It was no. wild at that game. So it's just, you know, I remember Kevin and I, we were talking about, you know, what to come up with ideas for this episode. And I figured that this would be a good one simply just because I don't think Kevin and I have really done the best job that we can do to give you guys like our own personal experiences with the sports that we talk about, because, you know, by and large with what we've done with this podcast has mostly been about mostly news and we news, give our, current give, events give, give our takes world, yeah. about just just the news and the events that go on in sports. But I figured like this would be a good idea so that you guys get a more personal touch from us and you guys understand like why we love sports in the first place. You know, you can never take away those moments that that Kevin experienced, what I've experienced, and they're great stories to tell. And it will be something that we will talk about more in the future because it's great. Like I loved, I love talking about the experiences of just moments that you'll never be able to replicate ever again. Yeah. So. We're talking about like genuine moments, like things that touched us, things that like impacted our lives, things that we witnessed, watched, whatever. And for clarity, I do apologize. I actually uh, remember now thinking about it. Us touring the stadium was actually a couple of games before the Yankees were playing the A's and we had a night game. And that's when I got to tour the stadium. And then the home run derby was like a couple of days after that. So like, it wasn't that same night. It was a different night, but it was the point of uh, that weekend. Ironically, like I said, was my birthday weekend and I had graduated middle school. So it was like all these things that were happening and like, you know, being able to be on the field and cry and be with my dad and both of us cry. And then we watched that all-star game, like home run derby episode. It was just, it was probably the greatest weekend of my entire life. Like if I'm, if I'm being honest, if I was able to recreate that for my child, I would do it the exact same way. Cause we got to see the locker room. We got to see the fucking dugout. We got to see the bullpen. We got to see the World Series trophies, the a- the AL Championship trophies, like all the fucking things that were in that stadium, all the nostalgia, all the fucking history that were in that in those walls. It was by far the most amazing thing I've ever seen, and I know my face is cheesing right now, but it's like, as a Yankee fan, that was everything you could imagine other than being at a world series game imagine because being, you could you were there gotta imagine there. Be, imagine being at the game winning world series game i i don't know if i would have been able to handle if i'm being completely honest with you like i i know i talk a lot of shit about being ready to go to a parade or being ready to be at a game like because of how much i'm invested in the new york yankees and a lot of people say that i'm dramatic or I'm overzealous, or I'm just, I'm, I'm too much, or I'm extra. I don't think they get how much the Bronx and the Yankees are, like, tied together forever. Like this. Like, I'm like this, bro. I like that. I just, I can't explain it in words. If you watch this, like, for the people at home, 
that that understand how much they mean to us. There's no words for it. And no one's ever going to get how I feel. You're not going to get it. No one else that I know is going to get it. Just you had to be there for it. And I'm happy to say that I was there with my dad, you know, like the guy that made me a Yankee fan. And I was able to witness that because of him. And, you know, like shout out to my pops. Like I know he doesn't watch YouTube, but it's like, I wouldn't have been able to witness history if it wasn't for him. And, you know, like Father's Day is coming up next month. And it's just like, it's moments like that. I'll cherish for the rest of my life and I'll tell my kids and my kids' kids until my last breath. It was just incredible. It's well said, dude. It's well said. But I mean, it's almost 1 a.m. You uh you ready to call it? Um, I'm pretty sure I'm seeing illusions on my rug. So yeah, because I gotta get up early and 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 do a lot of shit before I go to a wedding. I would probably call it a little early tonight, unfortunately. I feel you. I feel you. But with that said, you guys, it'll wrap up the episode. And I'm kind of happy because I don't know what happened this episode, but man, I've been battling the freaking sniffles. They came out of nowhere, but um, fought through it. But, you know, made it to the end. So good to uh, to call it there. But um, just want to say before, you know, we log off from here, I definitely appreciate the support wherever we get it from. Um, this will be uploaded to YouTube in the morning, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You guys pretty much know the drill at this point. It'll be all up in the morning. And um, just um, get ready for next week because the NBA season will be wrapping up next week and we will be pretty much gearing up for the NBA play-in tournament. So that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. And if there's any more NFL news that pops up, you know, Kevin and I will probably talk about it. And, you know, don't be surprised if we – definitely kind of add like more of like a personal segment in one of next week's episodes, just because I think, I think it's good that you guys kind of see like a more personal side of us, because I know we necessarily haven't done that. I know we've more focused on the news for our podcast, but I think definitely adding in some personal touches to the podcast will make the listening experience and the viewing experience better for everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like, like I said, you know, like tonight's episode, a little struggling between the both of us, you know, his sniffles, me, what I felt like was passing out mid episode, like I just, you know, long day at work, long day, a lot of shit going on. Um, but yes, like Kyle said, um, don't be surprised we bring a little bit more personable things into this, whether the, that be completely 100% all sports related, whether that just be a, a life story about why we like a certain sport or a certain team or something like that. Or, you know, like Kyle and I both love sneakers very, very much. Um, you know, who knows who's to say we don't get into a quick conversation about some sneakers with a guest or two, but uh, we're multifaceted. We're very well-rounded. You know, we know that this is all about sports in terms of content for the channel, but we do know that there are times where there is a lull in sports, especially right now with the kind of like, I don't know what's that word I'm looking for that 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 period in between stuff like that like a break no like it's like between heaven and hell purgatory like that, 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 yeah we're kind of in that 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 purgatory stage but no that's like a decision whether or not you're going that that it's like it, it starts with an l bro I'm, I'm having the worst brain fart in my world in, in, <laughs> in my mind right now we're we're in that stage right now. So you said it's a lull. Like a, 
yeah, we're just, we're, we're kind of stuck. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of shit going on. There's not a lot of shit going on. It's, my words ain't making sense, man. Y'all have a good night. Y'all have a great fucking weekend because I'm going to be at a wedding and it's going to be phenomenal. Like, shout out to my girl. I love you. I swear to God. I'm about to go to bed. I'm going to talk to y'all next week. Shit. I, I, hope, I hope it's open bar for you. It is. <sighs> Excellent. But with that said, you guys, thanks again for tuning in and we will see you guys next week. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric Ash.